Hello there and welcome to In Your Own Kin. I'm your host Charlotte. I'm a lover of great food, sometimes artist, sleep-in advocate, storyteller, mama and postpartum professional in Nam, Melbourne. Each week I'll be chatting to families about their journey into parenthood, the grandest of adventures. Parenting is beautiful, messy, sparkly, hard work. You were never meant to do this alone. It's time to get comfy in your own kin. In Your Own Kin acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening to today's episode. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and recognise that the telling of stories has happened here since time immemorial. In Your Own Kin is recorded by the Birurung on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty of these lands has not and is not ceded and it remains stolen. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In this episode, Jordan shares her parenthood journey and reflects on life with her husband, Darcy, and their daughters, Ainsley and Billy. Jordan also happens to be my wonderful sister-in-law. It was such a delight to sit with Jordan and listen to her story. So much of our time is spent on video calls with the cousins catching up. So to snag this time together felt extra precious. Jordan speaks really openly and honestly about her mental health journey, generously sharing an insight into her experience navigating the system over the last five years. She also talks really honestly about body image, building a kinship support network, and backing yourself and committing to your dreams. This episode is such a gift and a testament to Jordan's resilience. Here's Jord's. It's so lovely to have this type of space to chat. I feel like oftentimes we're doing a video call with a toddler, multiple children climbing over us. There's not really a whole lot of in-depth conversations happening when we're normally having a phone call, right? Yes, definitely. No, it's so lovely to actually finally talk to you one-on-one without them around. Yeah, absolutely. George, would you like to let the listeners know who you are, who's in your family and where you're living at the moment? Yeah, sure. So my name's Jordan. I am married to Darcy. We live in Tom Price currently in Western Australia, about 1600 Ks from Perth. We have two little girls, Ainsley, who will be five in November and Billy, who will be three in a week. Yeah, a week. Yes. (laughs) My gosh, honestly, like it's such a cliche, but where the heck is time going? Especially in our little bubble that we have up here, I feel like just time is just going as fast as ever. Yeah. George, talk to me about what makes your heart sing. Tell me a little bit more about you. I love helping people. I think that's like my main passion in life. And over the years, I've really discovered that. Originally, I was a beauty therapist by trade. And now I've moved into working with women in a more of a fitness capacity and a mental capacity as well. Mm. Um, So helping people is kind of like what makes my heart sing, Um, as well as being a mum. I love being a mum. I struggle with it, but I would never change anything for the world. My two little girls are everything to me. So, yeah, I definitely helping people and being a mum are my two major roles in my life and I, I would never trade any of those Yeah, ever. It's such big, beautiful, messy, gorgeous, all of the feels work, right? 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
the way the girls came into the world and how everything in my life has gone over the past five years has definitely been a roller coaster of highs and very, very lows. Yeah. Um, currently sitting at around about a medium I'm traveling around at the moment, but you know, it's it changes daily. Everyone kids knows. <laughs> yeah, all of the ups and downs, right? Yeah, 100%, but worth it. Yeah. Take me back to when it was you and Das. Talk to me about life pre-parenthood. Yeah, so Darcy and I have been together. We're coming up 13 years in January. We started off doing long distance as 16-year-olds, I think we were, something like that. And as the years went on, Darcy moved over from Esperance to Bunbury and then we got married in 2014, I think it was, yeah, 2014. We're coming up seven years married now. We used to do FIFO, used to do four weeks away, one week home. I used to just have my own little groove. I used to work in, like I said, beauty therapy. So I did a lot of that after high school. And at what point did you start having those conversations? Did you have conversations about the possibility of having children or wanting to have children together? Yeah, so I think Darcy and I actually started trying for children before we got married. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a couple, it, was, it wasn't it was like years before we got married, but I reckon I think I would have come off contraception about, I think it was about six six months before our actual wedding not in the hopes of being pregnant when we're getting married or anything, but just to start that process. Yeah. We found it really difficult to actually fall pregnant with our firstborn because of time differences, like trying to have Darcy home at that right time was very, very difficult. So it took it took us about 18 months to actually fall pregnant with Ainsley, our firstborn, and it got to the point where we started to be able to marry up the times of ovulation and things like that, but nothing was happening. So we we were in the process of seeing, I had reached out to my um, gynecologist obstetrician yeah. and was in the process of getting tested and Darcy had actually literally just been to the GP and had all his tests done. And then a month later, I actually fell pregnant. Oh. I think it was actually one we just kind of said stuff it let's just take the stress off it stop trying to make it like almost like a task of you know it's gonna happen this month that's when it actually happened for us so taking the stress out of it really helped it's such a stressful time isn't it and like we really don't talk about that enough it feels like that's something that we almost need to keep secret and if anything that's when we need so much support 100% and like you know we were quite young as well so I think I was 22 and being not married and I come from a not a strict household but you know like you know you kind of want it where I wanted to kind of do things in order I suppose I didn't really know how people would take it it was a it was a hard time but you know it happened and you know as soon as we let the stress it was all me as soon as I let my stress go it just happened. And I find that a lot with within my life. If if I'm stressed, nothing goes right, nothing happens when I want it to happen. But as soon as I take that step back and just relax, everything just kind of falls into <laughs> Talk to me about your mental health at that time. Talk to me about how you were yeah. feeling in that journey. So pre-children, mental health-wise, I looking back on it, I thought, I well, so being in the in the situation, I thought I was fine. I didn't think I had anything wrong with me. I was exercising 
really regularly. I was eating well. I was working. I was just, you know, day-to-day routine. But looking back at it now after having kids and having um, quite a history now with postpartum depression and things like that, I think a lot of things I actually did have a bit of a mental mental health issues prior to having children. There's a lot of things that trigger me now also triggered me then, but it just wasn't as heightened as what it would be now. So I think it wasn't until I actually had my first child that realising that, you know, getting pains in your chest and um, starting to overstress and get overwhelmed and that's not really normal. Looking back, yeah, I definitely think that things had been happening for a long time, but it wasn't, yeah, till till having Ainsley that I really realised that, yeah, shit, I actually I need to reach out and, and get some help. Oh, it's so important, isn't it? And just having that language around how that feels in our body. Like we don't even talk about how that feels in our body that much. No. So, Yeah, 100%. And it wasn't until after I had Ainsley that I actually really even knew much about mental health. That was like I obviously you hear about it, but you don't hear like like the little things like overwhelming feelings and like that can be also a sign that you have mental health issues. So, Mm. um, yeah, definitely lack of education prior to having children. It wasn't really until, you know, when you go through your classes when you're pregnant and things like that that they talk about postpartum and the baby blues and all that kind of thing. And that's when I probably first really understood it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about that moment of finding out you were pregnant. Super. With Ainsley, it was the most exciting experience ever Mm. it was I actually Darcy was actually still working away at that point and I remember calling him and and telling him so that was Mm. so exciting overwhelming as well like you think you're ready when you've been trying for so long but then when actually you see those two little lines pop you're like holy heck am I actually (laughs) actually happening holy what what do we do now yeah absolutely um, yeah, no, it was an overwhelming joy. I remember telling my mum straight away. I told my best friend straight away. Mm. And I also telling my dad he cried when I told him. So it was super, super exciting as well as we'd also, my brother as well was also pregnant at the time. So they were a couple of months in front of us. So having two little grandkids on the way for everyone and niece and nephew, uh, nieces, it was super exciting that, you know, our family was expanding. Such a magical season, right? Yeah. Definitely. And how are you feeling in the pregnancy, George? How are you feeling physically? I hate being pregnant. I hated it from the moment. I am obviously so, so grateful to be pregnant, but then I struggle a lot with my body as is. So going through the motions. So just before I fell pregnant with Ainsley, I'd lost about 35, 40, nearly 40 kilos, I think it was. So I'd spent all this time working on myself and working on being healthier and fitter and all that kind of stuff. And so once I got pregnant and then obviously the weight started piling on and I watching myself expand (laughs) was very difficult and I think a lot of that's where my mental that's where everything started to really shape up with my mental health I found that 
yeah, watching myself change and, yeah, I really struggled with that. Mm. And I, I still continue to exercise through with Ainsley. I think I exercised actually right up to through till 38 weeks. So, yeah, watching myself change was a big struggle. Other than that, though, like my pregnancy with Ainsley was pretty cruisy. Um, I had one little rough patch where I had a bleed and it was a bit of a scary moment, but everything was fine in the end with that so it was pretty smooth sailing it was just more my mental thinking behind everything yeah I think that's such an important conversation though right because I think we get we hear all of these stories about like the glowing pregnant person and feeling like really connected to earth and to your body and to your baby but that isn't the case for all of us For some of us, that's a really confronting process. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, I definitely didn't have any of that glowing. Like, I didn't feel beautiful or, yeah, like even connected to Ainsley when she was in my tummy. It was really hard for me to, like, find that connection because I think my brain was being like, oh, you're not liking the way you look, you don't feel great. So how can this all be a magical experience, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's fine. It's a great thing. And were you able to talk to people about that, George? Was that something you were able to share? No, no. That, so with Ainsley's pregnancy, no, I didn't tell anyone. It was all something that I kept to myself and just secretly dealt with. Yeah, no, no, I didn't have any... And that was all me. Like I have an amazing support system, um, especially around the time of when I was pregnant with Ainsley. So, um, yeah, it was all just something that I chose to keep inside. Looking back, I wish I didn't, but, you know, can't change that. Would you feel comfortable talking a little bit more about that? Because I think that that's such a, a common thread, this keeping things to ourselves and feeling like, we're protecting ourselves in doing that, but also protecting other people when we're doing that. Could you talk a little bit more about your decision to to keep that to yourself? I to this day, and I've had a lot of therapy now, and I've become a lot better with talking about my feelings. But I still really struggle to. I think it's putting like telling if you tell someone, then it's kind of like. I get like worried that people, cause I, sometimes when I say something, I kind of say it, even if it's a serious topic, I might not say it seriously. So then mm. I feel like people may be like, oh, well, she's going through such a hard time. Why is she smiling? Or you, I think it's just, you just don't want to burden someone else. And it's easier just to process and deal with it yourself. But in my case, I don't process and deal with it. I just shove it down as deep as I can. And then I have like a massive meltdown. So you know, how I deal with it. It's not the greatest, but I'm learning to slowly cope with things better. But yeah, it's it's, it's been a learning process. For sure. Oh, it's such a big responsibility to carry all of this on our own, right? Like we really yeah. need so much care and support. But yeah, in so many ways, I think we've been conditioned into thinking like we have to keep things in and yeah, we would change the world. Yeah. yeah, and you think you can take it all on by yourself. And I've learned over the years that, yeah, you definitely need to, when you need help, you need to ask for it because not everyone can realize the signs, but you need to be the one that asks for it. And sometimes, you know, you won't get that help, but at least you've reached out you've tried 
like lighten your load. Absolutely. It's just too much to hold alone. Were you preparing for the birthday or postpartum at that stage? With Ainsley, no, I didn't do much prepping at all. We did the basic courses of how to breastfeed and, you know, what to expect within the St. John's Hospital. They ran those two courses that Darcy and I attended together. My intention was just to go with the flow. I wasn't going to say no to drugs. If I wanted them, I would have them. Pretty much I was open to doing what the obstetrician said. And that's pretty much how the day went. I really wanted to breastfeed, but that didn't go well for me. I had a really hard time in in hospital with all the nurses coming in and out of the midwives um, coming mm. in and out. Ainsley wouldn't latch, and it was it was horrific. I like I, I really struggled with that mentally and and physically. Like it was it was so draining. It wasn't working, and a midwife come in at in the middle of the night. And she would be like shoving my boob around, trying to get Ainsley to latch, and then it mm. wouldn't happen. And then the next midwife would come in and say, how about you try this? And how about you try this? And it was just so overwhelming. It wasn't until like, because we stayed in hospital with Ainsley for about five days. It wasn't until the fourth day that a midwife came in and she must have seen how tired and <laughs> drained I was. She just asked me, she's like, what do you want to do, Jordan? And I was like, I just want her to be eating. Yeah. And she said, well, how about we pump and get her started on some bottles and see how you like that, which we did. So I was pumping round the clock and feeding her that way through a bottle. But it ended up being that it was too much to pump all the time and feed her. We both made the decision that formula would be the way we'd go. So that's what we chose to do. And that was full on. That that first week of when we were in the hospital was crazy. And mm. the three-day blues, holy shit, they're, they're a real thing. <laughs> yeah. I remember just Darcy coming in and it was about day three and I was just, I just cried. I just came in the room and I just cried. There was no reason. I was fine. Ainsley was cuddling, cuddling. It was nothing wrong. But it's just that overwhelming just all the hormones and adrenaline and everything going through. Yeah, it was. Totally. Yeah. It was nothing and it was everything, right? Yeah. Like it's 100%. Such an intense period. We've spoken about your births and they were both quite traumatic. Can you reflect on Ainsley's birthday? I felt loss of control. Everything was mm. out of my control. I was induced at 41 weeks. I labored all day till just after lunchtime when I had my um, epidural. And with that, that obviously took away the pain. Um, I still felt the contractions in my stomach, but mm-hmm. nothing from like my hips down. It was all numb. Mm-hmm. So when I actually birthed Ainsley, I didn't feel anything, but I, I did have to have forceps and I did have to be cut as well. So that in the moment wasn't traumatic. But um, just having that loss of control and then having to deal with it afterwards, like I didn't really Mm. process it. That's what made Ainsley's birth traumatic. But Mm. compared to Billy's birth, it really wasn't that bad. (laughs) It's really hard though, isn't it? That like loss of control. I hear that a lot and it's such an overwhelming experience, I think. And we really need to be supporting birthing people to feel really in control and really involved and informed. Yeah, 100%. And being... Ainsley being my first and being on the younger side, I didn't look into anything. I I literally just followed 
what our doctor said, what was going to happen. That's what I did. Like I had heard people say, you know, what about water births and what about looking into this and this and all that. But I just didn't. I decided I'm just going to do what my doctor says. That's what's going to happen and just go with the flow. Looking back now, five years on, there's so many things that I would change. And if I was to fall pregnant again, I would like to do differently. But no, um, you live and you learn. Talk to me about those first few moments with Ainsley. Quiet surreal I remember feeling happy but also not connected I really struggled to connect with Ainsley I reckon it actually took me a good month or so to really feel that connection you know when a lot of mums have their babies they say oh it was like love at first sight and Mm. you know I've never felt a love so strong and and like obviously I I loved her but like I didn't feel that immediate like yeah, you know, that real nurt- mothering, nurturing. Yeah, it's h- so hard to explain, but I just didn't so feel that, which then made me feel guilty that, you know, like, why don't I feel it? Why why do other people feel it? And why and I, am I not? What am I doing wrong? I, is there something that I should be doing? Like, it was all that overwhelming thoughts that I was having. Yeah. I remember her being placed on my chest and in that moment I remember being so happy and blissful and like everything just disappears like you hear anyone in the room that I remember that being so beautiful but then that was very short-lived and then you know with everyone around and crazy crazy times but I think it was about into mothering that I started to really find myself found how we gelled together and you know figuring figured it all out figuring everything out together yeah absolutely and that's such a a common experience I think like we hear about those first few moments as being really magical and wondrous and being instantly in love but for some of us that does take time doesn't it and it can feel really lonely and isolating when you feel like you're the only one finding it challenging definitely and when you see like your your husband or and your parents and your in-laws like doting over the baby and you know feeling that instant connection and loving connection it's like it to see I remember sitting back at one point being like well, I just don't it just something just doesn't why don't I feel like that like what what's yeah. missing like is something missing what am I doing wrong mm. That really gives me the oomph because, my gosh, you weren't doing anything wrong. It's just such a big transition. Talk to me about those first few weeks and months of parenthood for you. I think Darcy and I picked it up pretty easily. Like we're very, well, I'm very routine based. So, you know, getting into uh, routine early on was something that I thought was going to benefit us. And in the long run, it definitely did. We ended up having a really great sleeper and a really great feeder. So that made life a lot easier. Um, Ainsley was such a cruisy baby, still is a pretty cruisy child. But me mentally, I really struggled. The first couple of months, I think everything was just such a blur that like I felt overwhelmed all the time and life was just crazy. But it wasn't about, it wasn't until about six months post having Ainsley was when I really just, I don't know, I was actually on a walk with your mum and we were talking about just talking about life in general, I think. And a couple of days beforehand, I had actually had quite big panic attacks 
relaxed, like to the point where I felt like my chest, like someone was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe and I was getting Mm. so overwhelmed and just I couldn't function. Like it was getting to the point where I just couldn't function. And um, I was walking with your mum and we were just talking about life and mental health and things like that. And it, it just, I remember just thinking to myself in my head, like, okay, Jordan, maybe it's time that I just go and, and go and talk to someone. Mm. So I reached out to my GP. I had a really great GP. She was lovely, someone that I could go to and talk to. And she said to me, like, how about we look at a mental health program and get me set up with a therapist, which we did. I chose not to go down the medication way to start with. I guess the stigma behind it was just and can happily admit that it was like I didn't feel like I needed it, I suppose, and like mm-hmm. I didn't think that I was that unwell that I required it. So um, just going to talk to someone was my first protocol, which I did. I found I didn't gel with, I went and saw this um, therapist a couple of times and I didn't, I found it really if kind of overwhelming, I suppose. I think just yeah. getting everything out and talking about things for the first time I really struggled with. So it was kind of a very rocky, the first 12 months of Ainsley's life was super rocky mm-hmm. mentally for me. But it wasn't until probably I think when Ainsley was about 10, 10 months old, I went back to my GP and said, look, like nothing's getting better. I really need, I really need help. Like what can we do? And at that point, she put me on to my current therapist and um, we started started medication. So I've been through quite a few medications now over the last five years, but it's probably taken, you know, what, we're nearly five years. Since the start of this year has probably been the best I've been mentally and right, like I've got the right medication. Um, my therapist is amazing. Like everything's mm. balanced properly now so it's taken a long time um but things like that take yeah and finding that right fit is so important isn't it so important yeah it's amazing like when I went to my first therapist to my therapist that I have now I just gel with her so much better I can talk to her about literally anything I've told her things that I don't tell I haven't told anyone just being someone who doesn't know me personally as such, I suppose. So having that person that you can talk to that you know won't judge you, you know, it's it's a bit easier to to have those conversations that you dread. And I've had appointments with her where I've just cried, but I've had appointments with her that I've been angry um, talking about things. And I've had appointments where we've only sat there for 30 minutes because... I'm feeling good so you know just to have that appointment to have that talk just to get things out it does wonders yeah I think the way that you describe that is so beautiful Jordan finding a trusted person a professional that you can go to and have all of those conversations and actually voice how you're feeling that's such a powerful thing sharing your story yeah definitely Talk to me about how finding that fit created a shift for you. Did it create Um, a shift for you? Yeah, so I wouldn't say straight away, but it definitely took time. I think for me, medication has been what has changed my life. Yeah. 
And I go, so I'm still, so I'm still currently take medications. I've been on this one drug now since we moved up to the Pilbara um, since January. I saw my GP, my new GP here, and my therapist had actually recommended this particular drug in one of our sessions. And I brought this to him and said, like, you know, what do you think with my history? And he agreed that we gave it a shot. And um, since being on this medication, everything has like evened out, I suppose you can say. And I felt probably the best that I've felt in a very long time. That's probably, yeah, what what has done it. But it's, yeah, like I said, it's taken many, many years to get to this point. Yeah, and a whole lot of hard work and advocacy for yourself. I'm going to jump you ahead a little bit, George, but talk to me about those decisions to expand on your family. At what point did that become something that you were looking at doing? Darcy and I had always talked about having two children. Billy was a surprise. (laughs) We always wanted her, but it was sooner than expected so we always kind of thought when Ainsley was turning two that you know we would start to look at trying for baby number two Um, Ainsley had just turned one and I found out like a month or two later that I was pregnant with Billy Um, so that was a very big surprise but also a welcome surprise like I think we were both ready to you know introduce a new little human into our lives Um, It was planned, but not planned. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We knew how the babies were made, but it was still a shock when we saw the test. (laughs) Yeah. I, yes, I was actually, it was a funny story. We spent um, Christmas down in a New Year's down at your parents' place in Esperance. And I drank all the time. I had a great festive season. I ate lots and, you know, everything was great. And then I remember we drove home on the first, Darcy went to work on the second. And I just like that day before when we were driving home, like I slept in the car and never sleep in the car. I ate a lot of cheesecake, which that's <laughs> something I don't always do. But, you know, like I was eating a lot, like I was always hungry. And then the next morning I'm like, something doesn't feel right. And I hadn't missed my period or anything like that, but I was like, well, just take a test. And it came up so strong so quickly. I was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) I remember ringing Darcy at work saying, oh, surprise, happy New Year's. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And that was how Billy was made. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. A whirlwind from the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me about that pregnancy. How are you feeling in your second pregnancy? Yeah, so much the same as the first time, except going into Billy's pregnancy, I was a lot more overweight. So, um, yeah, same thing again. It was a long mental process for me um, and struggled with watching my body change with her. And as that birthday approached, were there things that you thought you wanted to do differently or was it still something that you in many ways had to kind of compartmentalise? Yeah, so I had two things that I decided that now I regret, but in that moment I decided I was going to get a cold epidural. So they gave it to me pretty much before, I think it was before they started my induction process. So I chose to be induced socially at 39 weeks. I was done. I was so done being pregnant. I was mentally, I was struggling big time. By the time I got to 37 weeks, I just wanted her out. 
Mm. Um, I really struggled with that. So the earliest obstetrician would book me in for an induction was 39 weeks. Mm. And we actually had our date, I think it was exactly 39 weeks. Um, I went to the, we went to the hospital expecting to, you know, have her, but there was a rush because it's public, uh, the public side, there was a rush of birth that week. Mm. We we sat there for I think three hours in the morning expecting to, you know, to be hooked up, to be induced and then being told to come back in a couple of days. I was, mm, I remember God. keeping it together while they were telling me, but I hopped into the elevator to go out of the hospital and I just remember bursting into tears because it was just, I was so I was so ready to get her out. To be told that you know, come. It was only it was only like two days um, that we had to wait, but it was the longest two days ever, and it was very hard on me. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about that conversation with the obstetrician? And again, I know that this is a really personal thing. Mm. Were you able to discuss with the team how you were feeling, how you were feeling mentally? Did anyone ask you how you were traveling? Oh, no. So that's something that I I really had to push to even get her to consider it. So they she said that she had to take it to the, I guess, the obstetricians that are on call and see and get like, I guess, I'm guessing it's the board. I wasn't really sure how it all worked, but she said like, they, they would not induce me. Like Billy was at, you know, the right weight. Like she looked perfect. Like she could have been birthed at any time. Like she was a relatively good-sized baby. So there was nothing that was physically stopping them doing it. But they, yeah, they flat out said that, no, the earliest they would do it for me would be 39 weeks. They didn't really offer any support or help in the way of oh, how to deal with how I was feeling. Just the start of Billy's pregnancy, I was actually on medication. I was on quite a strong antidepressant. But as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I had to switch, which I did. So I switched to a lighter antidepressant. But then halfway through that, I decided to come off medication altogether. So I stopped taking my antidepressant. But yeah, in terms of that chat that I had with the um, obstetrician, there was nothing offered. There was no, no, speaking about counselling or if there's anything they could do to help it was just no you have to wait so that's what I did George it's just such a challenging time I think we forget that birthing people are whole people it's not just about the baby there's a baby and there's a, a human that's carrying the baby as well and they've got physical and mental health needs yeah 100% and yeah we are off left till last Mm. or forgotten about completely sometimes but yeah and you know the baby is very important but also the mum is as well so totally absolutely how were you feeling at that point George um I remember feeling completely done like Mm. I just I just wanted her out I was trying everything like you know all the wives the pineapple the raspberry leaf tea I was trying curry sex everything everything that we I could do to try and get her to come out so yeah I was feeling super super deflated tired yeah just mentally drained George such a tricky time talk to me about that birthday we 
went in to be induced. Like I said, we had the cold epidural, then I was induced. Um, everything went well. So again, labored the morning was fine. I couldn't feel anything because I had had epidural. I didn't feel any contractions, which was amazing. So I literally just felt like I just laid in the bed. I slept, I ate. It just felt like a normal day, to be honest. Um, and it wasn't until, or oh, just before lunch, they checked me, checked to see how dilated I was. And I was only at like a four. So they weren't expecting. She even said to me, look, you're probably not going to have this baby until late into the night. And I was like a bit disheartened, but, you know, you just go with the flow. So Darcy stepped out of the room to give an update to our parents and to get some lunch. While he was out of the room, I just felt this weird, it was weird. It's like my body just changed and all of a sudden I said to I said to the midwife, I I need to push. I need to push or I need to poo. There's like I don't know what it is, but something is like something's going on. I can feel I can feel it. And she's like, no, we just checked you literally like this is like 10 minutes ago they checked me. And she's like, you're only at four centimeters, nothing's happened. I'm like, no, I'm like, can you, someone please check because something doesn't feel right. And so they checked and I had gone from four to 10 centimetres in the space of like 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, it was George. so crazy how it happened. So in that moment, rang Darcy, got to get back up here because I'm about to start pushing. Still couldn't feel anything as well, which made it, you know, slightly difficult. Once, you know, that transition happened and the pushing started to occur, I felt everything. It happened really quickly. The way she transitioned from four centimetres to 10 centimetres was super quick. Yeah. And I pushed for a little while and then she literally just came flying out. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of internal damage done and I lost over two litres of blood. So that whole birthing process was... I don't remember a lot of it. I remember pushing her out and then all of a sudden the doctor, so the doctor was in the room at this point. There was a bit of like, why did you let that happen? What happened? And all I remember is Billy was placed on my chest mm. and within like five minutes I was like, I looked over at Darcy and I just said, I, I don't feel well. And I remember passing, I said, someone needs to take Billy, like I can't hold her. Mm. And I remember feeling super faint and like, I started to be sick. It was so, yeah, that's when that was when I was obviously losing all the blood. Um, I don't really remember the first couple of hours. It's such a blur that I was so sick and so it was pretty intense. Mm. Um, but once they had finally got everything under control, then I was able to actually, you know, hold Billy and have that into skin. And it was great looking back at it, it, it still blows my mind how everything happened in and the conversations of the doctor like I remember the doctor talking to the midwife like how did this happen why why did this happen oh, like when he was standing in the room as well so like it was just crazy it I don't think it should have happened the way it happened but yeah I just remember being so sick I've never felt that sick in my life I had to be hooked up to um a drip for oh I think days I ended up having to be in hospital for a couple of days make sure that my levels have returned to normal um and thankfully with Billy I actually ended up having an iron infusion in my pregnancy quite late because my oh. iron was super low and the day actually said to me like if I hadn't have had that then things would have probably been even worse than what they were so it was very lucky that I had pushed because that, that was another thing I had to push to get that iron infusion it wasn't something that they just handed had to explain to them how tired and exhausted and you know how I was feeling um, for them to finally give me that very expensive 
iron infusion. Yeah, that was Billy's lovely birth. <laughs> and I wished I, I had more of a, a relaxed, self-empowering, like, water birth. Like, I would love to do, I would love to do everything so, so different. And it can be hard to see those images, yeah? Like, it's hard to see those images and hear those stories. Definitely. Like I, whenever I see people having birth that they really felt like it was amazing and mm. they would do it a hundred times over. It really does make me wish that I could experience that. Yeah. Um, is definitely one thing if I was to ever go for a third child that I would do more research and, yeah, look at maybe not just going down the GP obstetrician route the whole time, maybe looking at getting someone else in to help. Um, and educate me more I think it's all about education really and I think we go into a system and we expect that people are going to give us that and and like you're saying the opposite is sometimes the case we have to constantly demand things and so that can feel really frustrating it can feel like why am I asking for this this should just be happening exactly right yeah how were you tracking after Billy arrived yeah, so same again with Bill. I really, I struggled again. I think trying to find, it was a bit more of a, obviously a different struggle having two little ones trying to find my place yeah. in the world, I suppose, and as a mum, like all those little things that we all go through, like just trying to get that home balance, that social balance, uh, trying to have some you time, which yeah. seems impossible have two little people around you at all times. I think I handled it better than what I did with Ainsley, but I definitely struggled. The first six months with Billy actually I think was easier. So with Billy, after having the experience that I had feeding with Ainsley, I actually took bottles into the hospital with me and I just I just didn't want that stress of even having to think about breastfeeding this time around with her. So we went in with our formula and our bottles and she was formula fed from day one just because I didn't want to feel the way I felt the first time around. Yeah. So that definitely took a load off that way. Mm. But, yeah, I think the first six months was actually not too bad. Like I, I think I was just so consumed by two little people that I didn't have time to think about myself or the way I was feeling. It just this was a blur, to be honest, uh, that first six months with Billy being around. But then after that was when I started to have my roller coaster. I call it my roller coaster effect of how being up and then down. And mm. um, so that's when I chose to go back to seeing her mm-hmm. and pretty much starting, you know, the process again of getting back into talking to someone and then also um, getting back onto stronger medication after having changed down for being pregnant. And talk to me about that journey this time around. Did you feel like that was easier to connect in with a team or were you still feeling really isolated? Definitely easier the second time around because I think I I knew what I had to do. I knew what worked Mm. um, and I just made a conscious effort of trying to... um, find a bit more of me time Um, by doing that I actually started to work so I I worked from home looking back at it now is crazy like I can't believe I I did that and made it work but you know finding that that would be my my me time essentially even though it was work it was just having a break from the kids I needed that 
mental break. Yeah. Um, so once I was able to find that balance, I definitely was able to, you know, function better and life was definitely a bit more smoother after having Billy compared to what it was with Ainsley. But again, like I said, like still those up and down moments. Um, yeah. I think that's so important, right? We need to explore the other parts of ourselves as well, because Otherwise, we just absolutely burn out. We can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly right. Yeah. And I'm definitely one of those people. I'm not definitely not your stay at home baking cookies, arts and craft. I can't think of anything worse. (laughs) So, you know, I need that. I need that. Um, I love, obviously, I love playing with my kids and I do do activities and things with them, but I just need space. And I find that when especially now that Ainsley's older and she's at school and things like that now, having that break from each other, we are better when we are together, if that makes sense. Like, you know, having that separation, then when we see each other and pick her up from school, she's excited to see us. And like, you know, yesterday we were playing with her doll's house, jumping on the trampoline for ages. Like there's that, yeah, you you miss each other. So you, you want to be around each other when you're back together. It's so important to recharge, right? Yeah, definitely. I have to laugh very loud at the arts and crafts because I need a freaking memo on that, George. You've told me this way too many times as well. So it should be like seared in my memory. But all of my gifts are arts and crafts. Yeah, right. But that's fine. I just just make Darcy do it. I just don't do it. The amount of times Ainsley asked me, oh, can we do arts and crafts? I'm like, yeah, just when dad gets home. <laughs> Daddy loves I just doing get, it. He's really excited oh, to do it with you. Um, it just <laughs> frustrates me. I have massive issues when you oh. have to set up all this stuff and they do it for two minutes and then you have to spend all this time cleaning it up drives me crazy so they color in and they draw but when it comes to glue and glitter (laughs) and even play-doh like I can't stand potatoes mixed together I have massive issues when it comes to craft I'm going to apologize in advance for half of Billy's birthday present um that's going to be something that you open in a week and think (laughs) what has she done it's okay that's okay that might be one for Gra and well, Nan. <laughs> yeah, that's actually perfect. When we're down in Bunbury, um, they can do that with them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Love it. Oh, George. And you had such a rocky initial transition into parenthood. Talk to me about family life now. So family life now is actually really amazing. I'm actually probably the happiest that we've been me personally, and I feel like our family unit as well. I have a lot of things going on in my life that aren't great at the moment with family and health, but Mm. um, in terms of my immediate family, Darcy and the girls, making the move up here to the Pilbara to Tom Price was was the best thing that we could have done. I think we needed Mm. to get out. So just having a bit of a, a break, coming to a small community, like I've really made an effort to go out and make friends, meet people, And it's definitely benefited for me and my mental health 100%. Talk to me about creating your new kinship support network in a brand new community. To start with, I'm not going to lie, the first kind of three months, especially going over Christmas, um, it was hard. I really struggled over Christmas time. Not really because we weren't with family, but it was more that the town that we live in literally dessert everyone leaves there's no coffee shops open the only thing that's open is Coles and your post office and to be able to get a coffee do anything 
because it it was you know it reaches temperatures of over 40 here at that time of year yeah. it was just really hard to having two little kids to do anything with them as well as Darcy does six days on six days off so when he was working for those six days just being us three it was really difficult and not have having as many friends and as well um Absolutely. I really struggled and I actually thought like you know after Christmas it's like I don't know you know if is this for us or is this for me like you know what what am I doing kind of thing yeah. but you know I quickly decided and it was pretty much after I started my medication I think that's where my medication really helped me to feel this way as well to really start to put myself out there so I made sure I went to every play group they have quite a few play groups run here which is really good Ainsley started kindy this year so I joined the PNC committee I was like no I'm just going to do it it's another way to meet people so I did that then I also decided why I had free time not that I had a lot of free time, but why I had some free free time, time, (laughs) I would study. So I've always wanted to do personal training um, and fitness. Like I, leading up to having kids, I was obsessed with the gym. I would go a couple of times a day, really into healthy eating and, you know, looking after yourself and all that kind of stuff. And it's always something that I thought about doing, but, you know, having kids, and also I never thought that I fitted the mould of what, what a personal trainer could be. So I decided that I did a lot of research and I actually found a company that trains women to be personal trainers that is all-inclusive um, and I really loved their the background and what they stood for. So I kind of said to Darcy, I'm like, look, I really want to study, so I'm just going to do it. And I did, I smashed out both my certificates within four months. So that was a huge achievement that I made this year, which I'm super, super proud of myself for doing and putting in the time and effort. But then that has also led me to working at the gym, started off just volunteering so I could finish my practicals, but then it has opened my world up to all these new people who have similar interests to me. Yes. Yeah. So I built a bit of a network that way, which is amazing. Oh, it's so magic to watch, George. It's so lovely to really see you fully just embracing everything that you have to offer people and just really taking all of those big and grand chances. Yeah, I'm so glad that I was able to do it because it's now changed so much in the way my life runs. Yeah, talk to me a little bit more about that. Since finishing my courses, I also did a master's in female fitness. So I'm also fully qualified and trained in that side of things as well. But I decided to start my own business. One of the reasons is flexibility around children, which I need. And the other thing is because I really want to help women who have been through similar journeys like mine and then finding a balance on how to get that spark back into their life. Yeah. Um, For me, every time I exercise, it just helped so much with my mental health that I think it's such an important thing and something that we should encourage women to do as an outlet. Mm. A lot of people feel like it can be a chore, but to have that hour to yourself can really, really help. So I decided to start my business, Women's Wellness Coaching. Life here is pretty hectic at the moment. I (laughs) work a lot. (laughs) I've gone from coming up here thinking that I probably wouldn't work until the kids are in school to working like 30 hours a week now. Yeah, Um, huge. 
still trying to find that balance. Yeah, I think it's so important how you talk about feeling like you didn't fit that mold of a personal trainer. And I often think about like what type of body image messages are we sending to our children as well? Because my gosh, it's my greatest wish for Rue to just absolutely love herself in the way that she does right now today. And I think we could do so much to, yeah, make sure we're loving our body too. Yeah, 100%. Like, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's the knowledge that you have behind yourself. Like, I'm qualified. I know what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm on my own journey. I just feel like I'm more relatable now because I understand what my clients are going through. Yeah. I think people relate to how authentic you are, right? People just want to know that how they're showing up is okay. And I think you're really good at talking about the good parts of your day and the really shitty wobbly parts of your day as well. Yeah, it's relatable. Like it's everyone has their down days. You can't be perfect and happy every day. No. You touched on something earlier, which I'd love to revisit. And it was that asking of help and not necessarily knowing how to ask for help in your early days of parenthood. Is that something that feels easier five years in? Yeah, definitely. I feel now that I'm a bit older and I've had that experience with talking to my therapist that I know how to ask for help. I'm way more honest and upfront with Darcy and and my mum. My mum is one of my very close supporters. So being able to talk to them, um, I definitely find it a lot easier. I've had to learn up here like, oh, we don't have anyone like you. We don't have anyone close, family members close. So, you know, we can't just ask someone to come over and watch the kids so we can go out for dinner or anything like that. So I've learned to let go. I've I have two babysitters now. Without those babysitters, we can't do those things that we need to do for ourselves. So just learning to ask for help. That letting go, but actually is just letting people in, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, that's all it is. If you could go back to yourself pre-parenthood, Jordan, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself to ask for help sooner. Mm. I would tell myself that you are strong enough to to do what you think you can do. Yes. Um, don't let people get into your head. And sometimes you need to follow your gut instinct. Yeah. Especially after since having girls, I've realised that, you know, that mum gut instinct is such a real thing and you should always trust it. The last thing would be say yes, do more things, especially in the last couple of months. I've realised that, you know, life is way too short and there's so many things that I wish that I could have done slightly differently. But, you know, it's all about living in the now and taking opportunities and saying yes more. Oh, that's good advice, Jords. (laughs) Jordan, it has been such a delight to sit with you. And in many ways, I feel like this has actually been five years in the making. Thank you so much for trusting me with a piece of your story. And thank you so much for sharing your experience so openly. It's been, yeah, such an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that I could get on here. I love what you're doing. And I miss you guys. And I'm (laughs) one day, I'll get to meet my beautiful Rue. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the wildest freaking thing, right? There's, yeah, so many missed moments between our family at the moment. It is such a joy to share these stories with you each week. 
If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review or share it with someone in your very own kin. You can see all of the gorgeous images of the families that join me each week and get the latest news from kin on Instagram at kin by Charlotte. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Mm -hmm.